0: Undo that. You know what I didn't do on uh Oh hide uh, non video. Oh, get that away. Uh no, I never pressed record on your thing. <laughs> on your o- on my OBS of you. Oh, well it's not too late. Record. I'm doing it right now.
1: Not too late. I'm still recording, so.
0: Hang on, hang on. MKV. Cool. Okay. Double check on that. Start recording. I'm just gonna hope that worked. It's a backup. It's a backup. All right, Audacity's going, OBS is going, all the things are going. Not bad. I think, I think we're going. Coming up in this episode, I type on cloud. We take a trip down memory lane with elementary. We look at the current state of Odin, and finally, we snitch on apps. Hey, and welcome to the Linux user space I'm Leo. And I'm Dan. And Dan, 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 I never knew that you could get clouds shipped to you via UPS. I didn't know they would just bring it to your door. Nice. Had no clue. Nice. Pain. So if you're, on the, uh, if you're on the video version of the show, look at this. Take a look at this. This is a Keychron K3. <sighs> now, if you remember a couple episodes ago, I had um, requested help with a keyboard of mm-hmm. uh, choosing one. I didn't know which one to do. I have no clue. Well, I had it whittled down to a couple. It was a Cooler Master one and a and this Keychron here. And I was leaning toward the Cooler Master one because the Keychron one is, was out of stock. It had been yep. out of stock for like an entire month and I was following it. I'm like, come on, come on, come on. Never did. And then one day I just happened to look up and there it was. Mm. So um, I let the excitement get me and I just I just bought it.
1: There you go. I actually looked at the uh, Cooler Master one online, and I thought that one looked very nice, too. So I feel like you would have
0: done done well with that as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but
0: the the I think the biggest thing about the Keychron one is that it also has Bluetooth built in. Oh, that's and nice. And you can connect it up to all the things, right? Your Android phone, your Apple phone, your iPad, your whatever, any of the things, plus your Linux laptops and everything else. Raspberry Pi. So... Uh, yeah, you could do it on a Raspberry Pi too. Mm-hmm. So anything that supports Bluetooth, basically, you can connect up this keyboard with. And while it won't be my, you know, run around and connect it to everything keyboard, I right. I typically just use it wired. The options, the extra features there, it's it pushed me over the edge. I had to do it because of the extra features. They were just sure. way too nice. So the the version I went with was the uh, the Keychron K3 with Gatoron reds. So that's nice and, and silent. Yeah. So I've, I've never had, I've had, um, Cherry MX. I've had, uh, mm-hmm. blacks and reds and pinks of cherry and pinks were my favorite because they were silent. Okay. Uh, I mean, you could like, you could smack a key and those things would barely make any noise whatsoever. Mm. Um, I've never owned a Gatoron at all, but I've had, um, Otemu's as well, which are on the, on the quality side, Cherry MX are, you know, pretty mm-hmm. far up there. There's there's a bunch of other they're options now, mm-hmm. but Otemu tend to be on the bottom rung okay. of quality. So I've had uh, Otemu reds and browns as well. And those are fine. They're they're fine. They tend to be a lot louder. Um well, the browns probably don't aren't know. too bad. Right, right. Um, but they do tend to be a little louder, so those those kind of annoy me. Mm. But I wasn't really sure what to expect. Gatorons. I heard a lot of good stuff about them. Plus, they're low profile. These mm. are low profile. They are. So... I I thought I would take a chance and they're amazing. Nice. I absolutely love this switch. It the the travel is so small. Nice. You don't really have to I mean this is what I'm this is what I mean about the clouds thing. Your keys your your hand your hands and your fingers just kind of float across the keyboard. Nice. Oh, it's so nice. Hang on. I, I, let, let me let me do this just real quick. For those uh of the ASMR persuasion, there you go. Nice. That looks good. <laughs> I I do I like I don't
1: generally give a lot of press as far as distance when when I press. So mm-hmm. something like that, low profile would, would be good. And most of yeah. my most of my stuff is. Like my my laptop even like you you think about it, your laptop doesn't have a whole lot of travel in in key press. Right. So Something like that is is comfortable probably for me too because I just I don't tend to bang on it like you know it's 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 not uh, you know composing on on a piano you're I'm I'm just <laughs> yeah right. light, lightly pressing with my fingers I'm not using my whole hand to to, exactly. to mash on
0: it so I think um, I think uh, if you early on I learned well I was forced to learn in school uh, touch typing right something. yeah. Your fingers go on the home row, you know where all the keys are. You can typically do it without looking. I think once we get into like symbols and stuff like that, I'll usually oh, have yeah. to glance down or something. But uh, if it's just letters and numbers, I've I've got this. And I think that may be why, um, you know, I, I don't really I don't really press.
1: Yeah, because you don't need to. You don't need to if you don't stretch real far. And most of the right. stuff is like right there near your home row. And if you've yeah. got your fingers placed there, you're 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 pretty pretty light probably on the keys. It's only yep. when when you're, you know, really crossing your hands or moving up and down and doing weird gyrations that you're probably, you know, even lifting your hand off off the desk. So, right. I, I mean, if you're not moving your hands as much, then you don't have as much travel.
0: And, and I think that, yeah, that right there is probably the reason why I can I can really enjoy a low-profile keyboard and not make a lot of noise with it. Uh even with this, I, I very rarely bottom out the key. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, it really is just floating. But that that did make me wonder, are are you a touch typist? Do you, you know, employ the home row and do all of that kind of thing properly
1: or <laughs> not real great, but I do generally start from the home row and uh-huh. then um and I, I do I can touch type and I can even do it without looking. I'll I can read a document and then or, or you know, read something and then type at the same time or look up if somebody's in the room and, and, right. and continue to type. I won't say that I don't look at the keyboard ever because I still seem to, I don't know, it just makes my brain click by looking at it too, right? right. So it's not that I can't, but I often do, you know, it's weird. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. And, you know, to be honest with you, the the whole reason you get RGB in mm-hmm. your keyboard, is so you can oh, type you look at night. At it. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I certainly don't begrudge anybody that types like that, and because I mean, I find myself uh, in the dark if the lights are off, all the RGB is off, and everything else. <laughs> well, I need to know um, where to it's start. Hard to find the home row. Like
1: even that finding way. the home row sometimes. Like it's nice to be able to look at it, right? Yeah. And even though it's got you know the the but you know the knobs on on the keys, I still. Sometimes want to look at it. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I I kind of fall into that as well. So, uh, yeah. Anyway,
1: this this so, keyboard is amazing, man. Nice, nice. That's good. Uh, a good keyboard is 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 uh is nice.
0: Well, it's time to hop in the Wayback machine with me. Yeah, uh, because it turns out. That there are a lot of things that I had to use the way back machine to find. Yeah, same so,
1: or archive. You know, one of those things is Yeah. I, I had the same experience with the research that I was doing as well.
0: Yeah. So as you know, every single one of these distro episodes, we go back in time, we look at the history, we try to find out where things came from and all of that kind of good stuff. And it seemed like the it, it was really the ones that I the ones that I had a hard time finding live were the distribution announcement ones. So I don't know why those are gone. Uh, There were other blog posts that were before and after that that were still there, but the announcements were gone, which was kind of an odd thing, and had to use the Wayback Machine to find those particular things. And it seems like they all got wiped around 2019 to 2020. So
1: Yeah, from from what I noticed was it looks like um, elementary changed blogs a couple of times. And maybe some things got lost in transition.
0: That's what I assumed. Yeah. Yeah. Because they, they went from medium to their, their own Jekyll thing, which we'll cover in the yeah. thing. We do uh, have a note about that. Yep. But all right. So since we already have the Wayback Machine all warmed up, follow me back to March 31st of 2011. Wow. And this is the very first. First official version of Elementary, codenamed Jupiter, version zero dot one, hosted over at SourceForge. It was based on Ubuntu 10.10, which was not an LTS. Only, yeah. yeah, it was the the only odd one out of the bunch that was not an LTS, but you gotta start somewhere, right? And starting yeah. at um at that time, would it have it would have been 1004. Um Yeah, yeah, I guess you would have had some issues getting all the hardware working. So you wanted to start from something good, and I guess 10.10 was it, which um, this measured right about 10 years ago. So Ubuntu 10.10, 10 10 years ago. And not long after the release of Jupiter, so right around July, so a few months later, uh, Cassidy James Blade penned the first blog post for elementary titled, Eating Our Own Dog Food. It sounds delicious, right? Mm, Who yeah. doesn't do that? Oh, wait, oh. no, this is about. Oh, this is about testing software. Whoops.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I leave the
0: dog food for the dogs, but uh, right, that's uh, leave it in the pantry, and mm-hmm. you know, a couple times a day, but not today. Yeah, but yeah. So this, what what this was all about was. Uh, kind of just explaining what it means. And what essentially it just means if you write software or if you're putting something together, you use that thing. So you know what it's like to use that thing. Right. So a lot of times doing this, you can get rid of a lot of the bugs or a lot of the things that cause pain before it ever hits anybody else. And they have to submit a bug report or they write a 70 page long blog post about how that's terrible.
1: Yeah. So this resonates well with me too, as a somebody that works on a distribution i do eat my own dog food
0: um That's true
1: um because that is the distribution that i chose to you know use on a daily basis for the most part um but i think i chose I, i'm not sure which came first whether i chose my distribution first and then decided to support that or i decided to You know, no, I know that's the way it worked. Actually, I chose.
0: Okay. I I thought we were going to have some kind of existential chicken or egg conversation.
1: That's, that's (laughs) the way it worked for me. But for them, elementary didn't exist. So, I mean, this was a leap, I feel like. So, but it does resonate with me. I think you should use the thing that you're creating. Even I suppose, even if you're not using it on a daily basis, you should on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- there should be yeah, there should be a box that always has it on there. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh,
0: just just so you can oh hey, I made this change. Let's go see how that works. Right. Um, I mean, certainly, I think most people do that, even if they don't run the uh, yeah. the OS or whatever on a day to day. I agree. Um, but it just makes it way easier. Yep. So that right there, uh, the the blog posts uh, between Cassidy and Danielle Ferre really kind of cement these are the two people that are going to be dragging, you know, kicking and screaming all the things about elementary forward into the future. Yep. So the next month, Danielle opines about what elementary OS really is and what it's not. And what it's not is a distribution. And while she concedes it may not be true, right? You and I, Dan, had this
1: conversation. Listen, probably at that point in time, uh, it was harder to justify what they were going for and certainly it's evolved over time but
0: right and and i think even though you know we would we would tend to call it a distribution i think that that line of thinking probably hasn't changed very much because you can see with 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 the app center focus and all that kind of stuff that it's a software platform elementary os is an implementation detail just like linux is the linux kernel is an implementation detail and What's on top of it is really what matters.
1: Yeah, it's a complete um, ecosystem.
0: Yeah. Yeah, e- ecosystem might actually be a better better word nowadays for sure. what this actually is. But, um, right. Uh, so I, th- I think one of the big things about it is that it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be your typical distribution. And it, it it's, right, it's forging its own path. That's the idea. Yep. So after a blog post in August about reckoning with good, bad, and ugly criticism, which is something that I guess everybody, every Linux distribution has to deal with, right? Oh. There's always someone out there yeah. that thinks whatever you're making is crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's another post in November called What's Up with Window Controls. And it really starts to, I, I think, really starts to kind of glue the parts together. If you looked at elementary before, you kind of had an idea that, well, it looks kind of mackish. It, it has the vibe of, you know, they got the panel at the bottom, got the thing on the top, and mm-hmm. um, so some of the bits are coming together, and it's looking a little Mac-ish, but I think this starts to really kind of cement that that is the case. Um, so the post is mostly about putting the close button on the left, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. we've seen that. You notice that really oh, yeah. early on, mm-hmm. and a lot of the design, design decisions are likened to macOS in that post. So I think it's kind of easy to see where people kind of get off on the tangent of, oh, you're you're taking design cues and things from Mac OS. But this is only the beginning of the similarities. It, right. it, it's it's this is where it starts. Right. And then it just keeps going on from there. So the next release uh is zero dot two, codenamed Luna, and has an initial beta release in November of twenty twelve, and it actually releases in May of twenty thirteen and was based on Ubuntu twelve dot zero four. Uh, the LTS and focused mostly on Pantheon. This is really where Pantheon starts to solidify as yeah. a real player in the desktop environment um, kind of ecosystem. Speaking of, and that consists of the greeter, the panel, the app launcher, the dock, the window manager, the settings app, and the theme.
1: Yeah, Com- everything complete. Yeah, right. This is where they start to you know fork some of the things and and create them as their own. So like. The greeter it was light DM, and they forked that, and now it's the Pantheon greeter. So, right, they're, they're giving it their own branding and naming, and just making it theirs from there forward. Mm-hmm.
0: So, in a follow-up post to the Windows Control post, uh, more of the thinking behind the decision is exposed, and an explanation of why minimize has been left out. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many posts I've seen. Oh. Hey, where's the minimize button? Hey, how do I get the minimize button? Hey, uh, this this particular app that's not even an elementary app. What is it? Elementary tweaks, I think is what it's yeah, called. Tweaks. How do I get that? How do I install that? How do I get that? I want the minimize button. Um, so it it turns out, and so this is you know, going through the writings of Danielle and kind of trying to digest why you do you do stuff like that. Turns out that when you never want any single application to actually close, mm-hmm. The close button kind of becomes the minimize button,
1: really. Yeah. But you can also and just mash the little icon down there in the dock, too, and minimize right. it that way if if you so choose.
0: That was always the reasoning for that. Yeah. Um, in that, I mean, the, the, the window's never actually going to close. If you wanted to sneak down, yep, as you said, use the panel. But otherwise, just close it. Mm-hmm. What's the big deal? Close it, and when you open it back up, it's going to start you right where you R- left you off. pick up where you so, left
1: off. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So there's no reason to even worry about a minimize button. Just close it.
1: So yeah, until you're running out of resources, but yeah, sure.
0: Oh, right, right. Yeah. I guess <laughs> if you're running on two, four gigs of RAM, yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe it's time to think, but you know, there's swap space for that, right? Yeah. Hopefully you have an SSD. <laughs> maybe that'll, yeah, that'll work. But, uh, Danielle mentions in a world where scratch, the then current text editor saves your state, Midori, the then browser remembers your tabs and the music player keeps playing. What's the point? So. With most of the decisions about what elementary would feel like decided and out of the way during Luna's development and release cycle, most of what's left to do is focus on the apps mm-hmm. and the platform itself. So, on that note, we fast forward to April of 2014. We can clearly see a lot of the Unix type one app, one purpose philosophy has taken hold as Cassidy imagines a world where a music app and a podcast app (laughs) are two separate beings. And in May of 2014, Danielle defends using Vala (laughs) to write the native elementary apps. This is a language that was created by the Gnome Foundation. And the basic summary is, Vala looks and behaves like Java and C Sharp, which are widespread, but compiles to C, which allows elementary to use a lot of the C bindings for the libraries made specifically for Linux. Prior to this, it was Python. As yeah. the primary
1: language to write the elementary apps. And and no knock against Python, but it's not gonna be as quick and and it's gonna use more resources um probably than Vala. And that gets right down to C, which is really close to, you know, every the under underpinnings of everything in a in a lower level language, which is good. For for your desktop, I mean, for your desktop. Sure, you can have right. some things that are going on that are Python, and that could be fine. But you, you really want to try to get as low as you can for your desktop.
0: Right, because Python is an interpreted language, right? Exactly. Um, and interpreted languages are always slower than compiled languages like Vala and C and all the others. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was a good choice if you want things to be fast. That's just the right. way that it is, unfortunately. So uh, a short time later... On August 11th, 2014, 0.3, Freya was released, but not before the unfortunate original <laughs> naming of Isis. Yeah. <laughs> Which was obviously the Egyptian god, but, yeah, you know, nonetheless it was changed.
1: everything Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, Cassidy then notes later on that with uh, Freya, quote, with Freya, we were able to dial in on the details like super subtly rounded corners on the display mm-hmm. and new animations for maximizing. Both are small, yet make the whole experience more polished. We were also able to focus much more effort on the included apps, delivering new features for existing apps and new apps alike, End quote. So that's it, right? With, with each of these releases, it seems like there's a different focus. Mm-hmm. And with Luna, it was the desktop. With Freya, it's the wider ecosystem and apps that are included in elementary.
1: Yeah, and each of these steps seems to further solidify their independence, if you will, from everyone else.
0: And one other thing that is independent, I don't know mm-hmm. any other distribution that does this, but um, the controversy that surrounded it for mm. years afterward, I, we still talk about it now. Oh, for sure. is the payments.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So the, the, and and it's the elephant in the room, right? I mean, anytime elementary comes up, you know, whatever your opinion is, those opinions tend to come up about this shift from a free download, right? You go to any distribution, their website, and there's a big old huge download button, no matter where you go, you might have to go to a download page, but then there's a download button and you just download it. And the thing downloads the end. But Elementary is one of is the only if not one of the few distributions that don't do that there's a um originally there was a there was a pay what you want you could put whatever and then there was a little tiny logo or a tiny tiny little link underneath where you could just you could click it and it would mm-hmm. download it. But the idea was there that you had to pay something by default and if you were clever enough or astute enough, you could see that you didn't have to do that right. So, since the release of Luna, Elementary has required that you put zero dollars in yes. that payment box to expose the ability to download the ISO for free. But it's still free. It's still there. It's right. it, it, There's just a kind of a user interface blocker that prevents you from just smacking one button and being done with it. Yeah,
1: there's a few others that do charge. Um, sometimes. Oh, okay. Um, well, so like Zorin is one of them, right? They don't charge, mm-hmm. f- they have a, a light, they have Zorin light, and then they have a, a well, I don't I think it's pro. I think they call it mm-hmm. Zorin pro. And so you have to pay for the pro version it comes with more stuff, if you will. Um, but they do have a paid option. And, uh, well,
0: I, and, I feel like that might be a little bit different than the way the elementary different. does I, their I, thing.
1: Oh well, yeah, I agree. It is a little different, right? But it's still something that you may have to pay for. And so right. I, th- I think um, the other one was uh, Tony George's uh, Unity. Maybe that's still the same way. I'm not sure, but he made his own Unity spin, and oh. um, you had to pay for that too. I think.
0: Oh, this is the guy behind Time Shift. Yep, same guy. Right. Okay. And and he has also been a, a very big advocate of paying for your software. I yep. mean, I, I think we should. He has Absolutely,
1: some, 100% we should. Yeah, some of his software you have to pay for or whatever, or it unlocks mm-hmm. features, this, that, or the other thing. So it's not foreign, I guess, but it's not common.
0: Right. You, well, right. And I think that's just because of the general nature of FOSS advocates in general, right? right. I mean, the free in FOSS tends to mean more the beer than it does the freedom in a lot of cases. And I think people really latch onto that and get real up in a tizzy mm-hmm. when they see a dollar sign or a Euro sign or, uh, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But
1: I don't know, supporting those that, that make your life better, um, with some finances, if you can, it doesn't seem like too much to ask Yeah, because you don't have to, It it is pay what you can that's That's their motto
0: right, exactly. I mean, you could have put a dollar in the box if if you were willing to give money at all, you could have put a dollar in the box and it' been it had have been okay. You could put zero dollars right. in the box Th- that' get put you there. Zero. but yeah. if you're going to pay, I mean even a dollar is something
1: and, and so, for a lot of us, a dollar is not a lot of money, yeah, and if uh you know enough people obviously throw a dollar into the hat, then you do you're doing okay
0: well, speaking of the amount of people
1: <laughs> that yeah. put a
0: dollar in the hat. Cassidy defends the notion by saying, quote, We didn't exclude a $0 button to deceive you. We believe our software really is worth something. End mm-hmm. quote. And he notes that 99.875% of the 2 million downloads at the time. So we're talking of Luna were downloaded without paying anything. Mm. So, quick math that's 2,500 people that paid. The numbers of how much they paid were not disclosed. Sure. But less than 1%. Okay,
1: but And that's
0: after putting the wall in front of people. You have to put zero to download. Yep. So 2,500, even when you put the wall, um, that's not a lot. But I would imagine if you didn't put any wall at all, that 2,500 number would really just be zero.
1: (laughs) Or really close (laughs) to. Maybe three. Yeah. A couple hundred, It would be three.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, there are certainly those folks out there that will download something and always leave five bucks in the change jar. You know what I mean? But yeah, because um, a lot
1: of a lot of distributions have a donation or a tip or, you know, something like that out there. Right. And they're, they get they get their donations and they get tips and stuff like that. So it's not like right. they don't get anything, but it's not exactly. it's not the same magnitude that that you got when you, it's presented to you differently, I guess.
0: Exactly. So. Um, he notes, uh, to the notion of open source means free, mm-hmm. uh, quote, elementary is under no obligation to release our compiled operating system for free download. That mm. kind quote.
1: of makes sense though. When you think about it, they do have some cost. They have some compute cost to, in order to, you know, generate that, uh, ISO, um, you know, and that's not free for them. Um, mm-hmm. they have some hosting costs for the things that they host. And those things take bandwidth. All of that costs money. So is it really unreasonable to ask for something?
0: Well, I don't know. Let's take a look at the next point and think about that for a minute. Okay. So in June of 2015, SourceForge is deprecated. So the SourceForge has been where Elementary was being downloaded and hosted at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, is deprecated by the Elementary team, catalyzed by reports of SourceForge bundling adware with some of the software downloads. Mm, that's and, yuck. <laughs> yeah, Danielle's quoted as saying, quote, SourceForge has helped us serve millions of downloads at no charge and provided us with great analytics. But our time with them has come to a close, end quote. In favor of uh, self-hosting over at DigitalOcean, um, But she also notes that not a dime was paid
1: to to SourceForge. Yeah. I get you. Hmm. There are are free options,
0: but. Yeah. She also notes that petabytes, petabytes of data was served up on elementary's behalf. A little later on, Geary. Uh, and, and I I totally meant to write down the name of the company that was uh, developing Geary. I think it was mostly one guy, but he was under the banner of a company that started with the, the letter Y, and I can't remember what it was called. But Geary's future was undecided after a failed crowdfunding campaign, right? They were looking for 10 grand. I think they only got like $4,000, but the way that it was yeah. set up was that the money goes back if you don't meet your goal. So Geary got no money. And at the time, it was a default mail app in elementary. Right. So Geary was forked. Mm -hmm. renamed it to Mail, spruced it up a little bit, and it made its debut in elementary 0.4 Loki. Speaking of Loki, it was based on Ubuntu 14.04, and it was released in September of 2016 with a few changes from the previous versions, changes like the App Center, which was, by Danielle's admission, in an interview with Network World, the killer feature. Mm -hmm. And it saw some pretty big speed increases from previous versions. Midori, the default browser? changed to Epiphany. But we know that now as Gnome Web. Mm-hmm. The new app indicators, the ones that you're using right now, surely they've been spruced up just a little bit, but those really debuted in this version as well. Parental controls were beefed up, the new screenshot app, the Geary announcement, and lots and lots and lots of improvements. So I had I had learned about elementary in Luna. I had tried it for a minute in uh the the next version what was it uh yeah freya freya, freya. Yep. <laughs> yeah it'd be nice if i keep these things straight well, that one changed, but I so, actually yeah. I, I actually didn't spend any real time in elementary until right now the okay. the the release of loki is really where i had an hp something or another at the time i think that was minted in about 2012 so the hardware was supported and everything in uh in loki um, this was when I realized that the brightness didn't work, but it wasn't, this wasn't elementary's fault, but, um, uh, I had to do some finagling about that and the speakers yeah. didn't work just right. But, um, anyway, this is really where I started to dive into elementary, started taking notice about the, you know, they really do spend a lot of time on the desktop, making sure that it's cohesive, that it looks right and that it plays well. So this is, this is really, really good stuff. So fast forward again. Mm-hmm. We're going to skip a little bit here um, to 2018, the beginning of 2018. In January, Scratch, the uh, text editor, code editor Mm -hmm. that they've been using this whole time, became code. That's a little confusing. In February, the new installer is introduced. That is seen in distributions like Pop! OS. So if you've installed Pop! OS Any time in the past, uh, well, any time in the recent past, you will have noticed that they use an installer that's pretty darn pretty, to be honest. And that was, um, I think we're going to find out a little bit later. I didn't realize until later on that it turns out that Cassidy was working for System76 this entire time, and he, he ends up getting scooped up by elementary. But he did a lot of the work on the installer during this transition time. So pop OS uses the elementary o s or the the combined installer that they that they worked on together, probably in large part due to Cassidy being on both teams at the same time so yeah, and also in February though, the app center became monetized, so we were. Getting used to the idea that you can pay for elementary by going to the website and clicking the download button and pressing the $10 button or whatever. But it wasn't until just February of 2018 that the App Center is monetized as well. So this allows you to go in and uh, like, well, one of the things that both you and I, Dan, installed was Eddie. And that one's uh, at five bucks, right? So this is when that happens in February, you're able to actually pay for some stuff. And as anything that has money involved is concerned, it probably didn't go over well with a lot of the FOSS advocates, right? So that is just something that we get to deal with now. In March, a defense of the looped command symbol in wide usage by Apple. So, you know what this symbol is, right? We know what this symbol is. I showed you a keyboard yeah. a little while ago that comes with that symbol. It's 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 actually there. I don't know if you can see it very well, but this is it. That's still the Mac key. So Yours has that. Interesting. Well, uh, they give you the keys to swap oh, out to make okay. it the Windows one, right? So, that, that's, that's another good thing about Keychron is they'll give you all the things that you need to make it customized for whatever you like. Nice. But that symbol, the the apple command symbol right is shows up a lot and it showed up a lot in the history of elementary and so danielle pens a uh another blog post uh about why they chose to go with that over well obviously the trademarked
1: windows the logo. windows looking logo yeah and at war what about a tux looking thing
0: Aha, uh-huh. same uh-huh. same thing right So she says, we need, quote, we need to represent super in some way that's meaningful to as many people as possible. We don't want to use the word super or the Tux logo or a diamond because that's pretty meaningless to most people outside of the Linux or Unix world, and almost nobody has that on their keyboard. We can't use the Windows symbol that's present on most keyboards because that's a Microsoft trademark. Yeah. The St. John's arms symbol is not a trademark symbol. And a significant amount of people either have it on their keyboard or it's close enough to what they have on their keyboard that it can be understood, end quote. So it's not the Apple symbol. It's the St. John's Arms symbol. And at least as far as Danielle is concerned, it's ubiquitous or ubiquitous enough that we'll get it.
1: That seems reasonable.
0: I mean, when I plug this keyboard mm-hmm. into a Windows machine and I press the command key, the Windows, the Windows thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the the it, it's the Windows button. Right. So ubiquitous enough, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody else has adopted it, but that's not the point. Mm-hmm. I, I think, but but no, I, I think she really has a good point here. Yeah. Though there, there's no other symbol out there that anybody would ever actually identify with. Right. Um, Close as you can get.
1: Yeah, and you don't want to type out "super" because that just looks weird, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's your exactly. alternative, right? Type it out because you know the text is not trademarked.
0: Exactly, exactly. So after the Gnome Foundation, so a little uh, fast forward a little bit, the Gnome Foundation receives an anonymous donation of one million dollars. I think this was about in May, but then in (laughs) August, yeah, one million (laughs) dollars. But in and that was in May, so in August. Elementary gets a mysterious benefactor as well. Nice. Which allowed Cassidy to be hired on at Elementary full time from his previous job at System 76. Dun, dun, dun. There Ooh. is the thing. He's been working at System 76 this whole time. And I think it makes a lot of sense, um, you know, kind of going back a little bit, why that installer is in both. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, outside of the fact that it's just a really good installer. That might but be one of the big
1: reasons why. Very familiar with it. So why not, right?
0: Yep. Now that Cassidy is on the payroll full time, I think it makes sense. These things are starting to come together. Why Juno, which was supposed to be 0.5 if you count. I don't know. I think we can all count, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> except we didn't. We jumped. Yeah, we did. What did we jump to? We jumped to five. Five. They just dropped the decimal altogether. Which makes sense. I think so. Typically things with a zero point something are beta or not feature complete yet or or something to that effect, right?
0: Just a minor revision, right? Right. Yeah. So, uh, but that's not the case. They felt that Juno was good to go. That it was a huge leap forward. And now that it's based on Ubuntu 18.04 and has wide support... Just make it five. Yeah. So, with that, Juno was released in October sixteenth of twenty eighteen. So, fast forward again a mm-hmm. little bit. In April of twenty nineteen, here's another one that makes uh, headlines. A decision on packaging was finally made. They went with RPM. Oh wait, no. Snaps. No. No, not <laughs> snaps either. Yeah, they went with flat pack. Nice. But they excluded on purpose, Flathub. Yep. So elementary, the the goal here was that elementary OS is going to release their applications via Flatpak via their own repository and exclude Flathub on purpose. The reasoning, Flatpak is sandboxed, unlike DEBs. Flatpak is decentralized, unlike Snap. Flatpak is aligned with elementary's choice of GTK and Flatpak is more widely accepted by indie devs, likely because of the previous three things.
1: Yeah, this makes sense. It falls in line with their um, ecosystem that we talked about because they can prioritize their applications or the, the, um, the you know, the applications that they want to see, you know, here. They can prioritize that above everything
0: else. Yep, Exactly. So in July, the onboarding app that you see today uh, is added. So you can see that today. When you install Odin, you'll see that same onboarding app. A few tweaks, of course. If you go yep. back in time and look at the, the screens, they'll be a little bit different. But the onboarding app is still the onboarding app. In August, they dropped Medium for their blog services. And they cite a lot of advertisement and, uh, you know, differences, essentially. And they replaced it with GitHub, uh, Jekyll on top of GitHub. And really, they rebuffed that with a commitment to not track you. Mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of a good thing, right? I mean, uh, I don't know why. I don't think so. (laughs) Right. Um, Then uh, following that up in August, the login greeter. So this is um, the new greeter that you see today in Odin was added. Then following that up in December, Hera 5.1. So the minor revision release that superseded Juno was released, and that includes all of the incremental stuff, of course, that that was added on in Juno, still based on Ubuntu eighteen oh four. So really, Hera is still Juno, but with a lot of those incremental yeah. changes that they've made it, uh, that they've made between Juno and now, and it's a new ISO. So you get bigger, newer, better stuff. I, I think the first
1: time I actually used um, Elementary was was probably. Juno, and then I I know I've I've used Hera a couple of times too, so mm-hmm. this is this is about where I become a little more familiar with with the uh. way things are, are are going. So
0: cool. So then now we finally hit some recent past, some recent memories. You probably start to remember a lot of this stuff. I know mm-hmm. it was covered quite widely, but in February of 2020, a crowdfunder for an in-person App Center Sprint was announced with a goal of $10,000. And obviously the goal was met easily, right?
1: <laughs> that yeah.
0: happened, I think, within the first few days. Yeah, it didn't take very long. And the crowdfunder closed out at $19,000. They almost hit double their original requirement. Mm-hmm. But 2020, yeah. February. You yeah. remember where you were? Yeah, yeah march happened then yeah so yeah. then the everybody pandemic. stayed where they were <laughs> Yeah. Mm. so this this was all this was all so that they could get together and do a sprint so they could focus on the app center and bringing in new people and making that stuff amazing yep. but yep then uh enter the pandemic and that put a stop to pretty much all of that so they did that digitally mm-hmm. in june Elementary announces that two retailers, Laptops with Linux out of the Netherlands and Star Labs out of out of the UK, are shipping Elementary pre-installed on their laptops. Nice. September rolls around and Slimbook's get our Slimbook gets added to the list and Pinebook Pro support was added. I do remember some blog posts yeah. around this time where Cassidy was playing with Elementary on Pinebook. Yep. And it was just exciting at the time. That was pretty cool, yeah. Then uh, in October Elementary six, Odin was announced, and an early access option for ten dollars a month was added. And for the third time, <laughs> the distaste for paying was resurrected. <laughs> I guess though these guys like, deserve some cash, so I, I get it. Well, it, but it, man, it didn't go over too well. No, it did not.
1: And uh, here's another thing: where you're, you're you're delivering a value add, you know, um, potentially. Ah, you're, you're putting yourself out to, to deliver early something to someone and, you know, early access. I mean, we see it all the time with, you know, content creators like ourselves. Yeah. Where, where we, you know, we give things away a little early and, uh, people pay for that ac- right. early access stuff. So exactly why is this so weird? I guess.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I guess you forget that. I mean, a distro is content it's the same kind of thing but then again i guess there's probably a lot of people that just don't there's just folks that don't pay and that's yeah. fine i well, mean well you don't
1: have to like if there's a new movie that comes out and it's in the movie theaters you pay extra to go to the movie theater um true. but you could wait for it to come on you know regular access if you if you so chose and if you wait long enough it'll show up free and something like Tubi <laughs> or Pluto. I mean, right? it's, it's all in how
0: patient you are, I guess. Right. Absolutely. So then uh, and a couple of months later in December, multi-touch gestures were introduced. And I was thinking this is only going to be a GNOME 40 thing. Something in GNOME 40 Ooh. is what what enables this. And while that may be true, uh, I don't know how they accomplished it. But elementary has the same multi-touch gestures to move around workspaces to bring up your applications to do your things with gestures so it's fantastic Mm -hmm. i I really fell in love with these as i was playing around with it i i I appreciate that it did it on a laptop um i really wish my laptop hardware would do that (laughs) you said that the other day (laughs) i know i was really oh man I was uh I was sad on your behalf mm-hmm. that uh that you don't get to take advantage of that. It's actually it's it's really really nice. I I do really enjoy it and I can see myself totally getting used to, you know, just flicking things here and there and and, and making yeah. it work. So also in December, experimental Raspberry Pi support was announced because who doesn't want to run elementary OS on a Raspberry Pi, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and then fast forward a little more, March 2021, the dark style for elementary was mostly finalized. And that's a good thing because Beta 1 for Odin Elementary OS 6 was released in April. Beta 2 in June. And the final release, which I've been frothing at the mouth for forever, Mm -hmm. was finally released on August 10th, 2021. Mm-mm-mm. So there you are. There's your history of Elementary OS. Obviously we missed uh we we left out a couple of bits because <laughs> this is long enough. Yeah. And uh <laughs> yeah, there's just there's just certain things that we didn't hit on, but that's it. Those I think are the we highlights. Grabbed the
1: essence there. We we know what they're about and uh what they're trying to deliver. So, yeah, I think it's there.
0: That's it. So, the basic stats, right? It's Elementary OS. It's based on Ubuntu LTS. It's based off of the Pantheon desktop environment. Files is the name of their file manager. They obviously use dpkg and apt. Kernel is the same as um, 2110, 2104, 2104. 5.11.0-34 is today, likely, by the time you get this, there'll probably be one or two more revisions of that. Who knows, yeah. Their display manager is Gala. They're X11 only, and the project leaders are Danielle and Cassidy. So.
1: Yes. Now. A whole month time. We, we've done it for a whole month Leo. a
0: whole month we've been on elementary for an entire month, figuring it out, installing foot guns, doing all the things. <laughs> How did you get along with it
1: so this will probably surprise many folks, but I got along with it quite well
0: i don't believe it. I absolutely don't believe it uh, you're an l x q t guy at heart um i't don't, I don't think you can like anything else I, I... well,
1: I can appreciate <laughs> other good things um I it it just seemed to work like it it got out of my way and it was simple enough um it wasn't a real problem I I did I didn't have to try real hard to keep myself out of the terminal um you know I I've certainly on my own machine dropped down do my updates that way right yeah but I wanted to try to experience it like um I hate to say a normal user, but anybody else that would you know come into this um, for the first time—a terminal
0: allergic, someone that is allergic yeah. to the terminal.
1: Well, I think they try to encourage that, <laughs> so they give you a lot of tools that uh, will um, you know work for you there. And sure. so um, I did. I did try to stay inside the ecosystem, if you will, and I didn't have to work hard. It it worked fine for that like i didn't feel like i was missing something and i needed to solve it in another way um you know all the all the gui apps worked
0: that's something that i think they they spend a whole lot of time on which is you don't need to go into the terminal to make this thing work or not make it work or whatever um it should just be There. I mean, if you think about it, right? Like if you're on a Mac, how many times do you have to drop down into a terminal to actually make something work? Uh, Almost never. I mean, the answer should be never. But I mean, I could imagine that 0.01% of the time where you need to drop down and do something fancy. Well, if I need to
1: SSH into another machine or something, maybe I'm going to do it there. But I'm generally speaking, not ever touching the terminal on Mac OS.
0: Right, right. And I mean, on other distributions, I tend to live on it. So I did make it a point to mm-hmm. avoid it at all costs. So uh, I did. <laughs> yeah, I no, certainly did. I
1: could, and like I didn't feel like I was missing something. I think that's the important takeaway for me, right? You know, I didn't feel like I needed to solve a problem in a different way because they give it to exactly. you exactly. I like you mentioned the apps, and so they try to encourage you to use the apps that are in the app store. That's great. I go mm-hmm. to search for something. Okay, it's not there. They give me a message that says it's not we don't have it in our, you know, repository or however it's worded. So you try to look in Flathub and they give you a link right there that you can click on that takes you to Flathub and then you can search for the app that way. And then exactly. all you have to do is download the, the, you know, the Flatpak ref file and it does all the magic for you. You didn't have to do anything.
0: And and and, ex- and exactly like it works on Mac too, uh. When you click on, I mean, I guess in Mac it'd be a DMG, but in in this yep. case it's a it's a flat pack ref. Yeah. But um, it 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 comes up and and it basically says something like, "Hey, you downloaded this from the internet. Do you trust yeah, you, this? Are you yeah, gonna you, are you gonna sideload this? Yep. yep. And then you go through the usual. Yeah, totally. I'm gonna ignore every security, whatever, and just you know <laughs> shunt this into my PC, whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but it prompts you and asks you along the way. And right. um, at no point are you guessing yeah, exactly. any of it. So that, from that regard, is excellent. And then once you get your first flat pack installed from FlatHub, say, it installs the FlatHub repo. Um, so when you go back to the app store, it searches the the FlatHub repo as well.
0: All right. I I really enjoyed this this facet of it. Because, um, I mean, if I had to go to FlatHub to download every single Flatpak ref for every single yeah. application that I wanted, because again, I was trying to avoid the terminal. So I didn't want to just go Flatpak install whatever. Yes. Um, I wanted to do it the way that it was kind of, it was the way that was provided for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah, after that initial one, it's available all in the App Center. So I could just type in Audacity and boom, there
1: it was. But you don't get that experience in other distributions. So I feel like they've solved some problems here. By by you know in the way they've addressed it, so
0: well I, I feel like and for better or for worse because I I can I can certainly conjure up some arguments against it, but some distributions just make FlatHub available by default. That's and true. That can lead to especially if you're also looking in the repo, it can lead to some confusion of well, there's two Audacities, which one do I want? Right. Which which one's better? Which ah uh, and then. You either pick one or just don't. It also
1: doesn't let you curate some of your own applications, you mm-hmm. know, by having your own repo that way either because, you know, you're automatically going to the FlatHub one. So I feel like they've they've got a good balance there. It really does feel good to me. But I will
0: say before you do the FlatHub thing, mm-hmm. if, if if you have some reason to never use Flatpak at all um, or you just are not aware of it. Mm-hmm. The App Center's got a bear. I know they mm-hmm. are working on that.
1: Yeah, and they've got some heat for that too, but yeah.
0: Yeah, first impression, you open that thing up and you're looking for some software, it's very bear. Um But like I said, I know they're working on it. I know there will be more things as more people jump on the elementary OS train and start uh, creating software for it. I know that will change, mm-hmm. but it is a first impression kind of thing. It does look it, a little bit
1: bare. It does have that feeling, and I, I understand that. Um obviously I'm sure they're thinking, you know, adding FlatHub and stuff like that as a stopgap until until they get their you know store full or full enough that you aren't searching for you know an alternative.
0: So the, the app center as it stands today, they require that the developer of the software submit themselves, submit the application for approval in yep. the app center. So is Microsoft going to do that? And so, will we see VS Code natively within the App Center? So, right. I mean, and and that yeah. that goes for every developer from from big like Microsoft to small like um uh, the, uh who did you say the Timeshift yeah, yeah, guy Tony George well, Tony George. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, will will he go and actually do that to be represented in the App sure. Center without having to get something else? So, you know, it, it is a stopgap. But I think it'll have to stick around for a good long yeah. while because there's just stuff that's just never going to get submitted by the developer to the app center.
1: But I'll argue that at least some sort of alternative um to the thing should be available. Oh. Now right? that's a good point. Um maybe not the VS code, but maybe you know, and they've already they already shipped a text uh editor that's pretty good. It's not It's not terrible.
0: Also called code. It's also called
1: code. But like, (laughs) so they're already shipping an alternative, right? So you don't necessarily have to go search for it. I think where they need to fill in the gaps are the things that they don't provide um, there already. And uh, yeah, I'd like to see them work on that. And even if it's an alternative, like, so you can't find Audacity. We, when we did uh, Audacity as a pick, um, we followed it though, also with like K-Wave and Gnome GNOME Sound Mm -hmm. Recorder. Those mm-hmm. are other two applications that, uh, um, you know, can do the same thing. You know, maybe one of those, right? Something like that. Yeah. So you can record audio. That, that sort of thing as an alternative should be available.
0: Right. And But, okay, so, so I do have to make this point then at this point, because if you wanted K-Wave or mm-hmm. Sound Recorder or Audacity, all three of those things are in the Ubuntu repository. They are. But the only way that elementary exposes the ability to hit those repos is through the terminal yeah and i agree and the thing that i was trying to do was avoid that yep.
1: so i agree so that's the, where the you The only need. quick
0: way to do it is find a deb of it but even that kind of had a bit of a stumbling block yeah. for me because it is very easy to install debs in elementary if you know the name of the deb installer which mm-hmm. is not deb installer no it is eddie eddie yeah Yeah. so if you know that eddie installs debs then you are you know seconds away from installing all of your favorite debs like vs code and whatever but if you don't that makes it a little more difficult you have Mm -hmm. to intuit that eddie is that or if you come across it you can click on it you can read what it is but You know, if you're looking for a DEB installer, you're probably going to search for DEB or installer.
1: Even if you made a leap and you went to GDEB.
0: Right. If you knew that GDEB existed, right? Right. So while I appreciate that Eddie is in the App Center by Mm -hmm. default, you don't have to do anything special. Nope. Eddie's there. It um, has a $5 price tag, which is fine. You can skip it. It's not a big deal.
1: More. Stick a different dollar amount.
0: Wow. Yeah. You can give him a hundred bucks. That'd that'd be great. (laughs) Yeah. But you you do have to know that that's what Eddie is yeah. and that's what it does and that's why you want it. Yep. So, Debs are tougher to, they are. to really kind of wrap your mind around in elementary. I really do feel like something like that should be installed by default, but again, know, comments was... by Danielle Ferre, really, you know, foot guns, right? Right. It's not their focus. They don't... want to focus on the
1: flat packs, which exactly. makes sense because they update faster are easier to update you don't have to worry about waiting for the repo you know the old lts repo is probably not going to get the latest and greatest of the thing unless you're installing one of those third-party things like i did um Vival- yeah, right. vivaldi <laughs> i installed vivaldi yeah. right my browser you dirty
0: third-party 5 pro- percent proprietary no Wh- which also oh, adds man. its own
1: repo which updates automatically now um you know but Right,
0: so then it just gets handled automatically, but you had to get the deb installed right. somehow, and, you know, it's an artificial blocker that I put on myself that I wasn't going to use a terminal. Mm-hmm. I could have just apt install dot slash the deb, yep, and it same. would have worked, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, I didn't, so I went and got Eddie, and Eddie is very nice, by the way. It is a fantastic piece of software. Yeah. Uh, can do multi-deb installs. That is cool. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's literally an option that says I'll go through your whole download folder and just install all the devs. Everybody. How about that? <laughs> Whoa, I did it. Oh, oh, it's so oh, good. really nice. so good. It is good. It really is good. Because I do the equivalent in the terminal of of that, essentially. Mm-hmm. And just Eddie made it like two clicks. And I, oh I was so excited for it. It was very nice. It was very mm-hmm. good.
1: Yeah. So for a GUI app, that's that's a great one. hmm
0: Absolutely.
1: So why did I install Vivaldi? Well, I'll tell you why. Um, I'd like to watch DRM, you know, <laughs> enabled video. Sorry. That one got me. That one got me. So uh, I, I, couldn't do, I couldn't do that in web. Could not.
0: I love me some GNOME Web. It is a, it's actually a pretty too. decent browser until, oh. mm-hmm. <laughs> until you get to the point where you need to enable DRM. You <laughs> need to watch some Netflix or some Hulu mm-hmm. or some whatever. Yeah, you, you know, it doesn't go. It just it, doesn't go no, because get, it doesn't support Widevine.
1: No, nope. throws an error. Yeah, but I did I did use Gnome Web or you know Web a lot, uh, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it for most of the fast. browsing. Uh, yeah, absolutely, very fast. Scrolling was super smooth, as you noted as well, in in Web and the other apps. Right,
0: I found out the actual name. So I, we were talking we were talking about this, and I, and I was basically like, so whenever you flick something and it just mm-hmm. keeps going, what do you call that? The actual real name for that. Is kinetic scrolling?
1: Okay, yeah, it makes sense.
0: So if you think about, if you've ever been on a Mac, you can you like mm-hmm. flick in Safari to go down a page, and it just keeps going depending on the the force with which you flicked. Mm-hmm. And Gnome Web, and it turns out all of the Gnome applications or all of the elementary applications right. that uh, that were built in respect that it was beautiful i love kinetic scrolling so when i saw that it happened on web it just made me want to keep using it
1: yep yeah so i agree um so that you know from that experience uh it was good but like yeah yeah that's why i had to install vivaldi and there it was um what else did i have oh the dark theme was a little weird um it didn't necessarily stretch to everything like I would have liked. Some of the apps, you had to go in there and enable it, you know. Yeah. You know, even though I would enabled it on the system, it didn't enable it.
0: Well, specifically for things like code.
1: Yeah. Some some of that's because they're flat packs, though, too. So they didn't, like, respect some of the window management things and stuff like that.
0: Now, some recent stuff, and I didn't add it to the news because it's not happening yet, or the the history because it's not happening yet, is they are working on that. So... I think they're going to very soon be at a point where the flat packs do respect okay. the system wide decisions that you make regarding dark mode. But we're not there yet. So you do end up with like a janky, weird. I'm yeah. pretty sure I said dark mode. Why is Gnome Podcast not in dark mode?
1: Gnome, Gnome um, Boxes is where I noticed it. Like the, the right. whole and, title and- bar was all light gray
0: the, the whole the whole application itself is yeah. just a big white box yeah and i'm yep no i chose dark mode i yeah. know it's dark mode but mm-hmm. you know all of those no maps and no podcasts is what i use um to if, mm-hmm. if i just need to quick get a podcast or something like that uh and that is all white as well even though i chose dark mode so you, th- there's there's work happening there it's not yeah, there yet good. but um yeah it, it does feel weird when uh when it it blinds your eyes in the middle of the night. Yeah,
1: so related to that though, uh, a lot of the, a lot of desktop environments have the night light or the redshift or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. They have that mode now, and um, it worked really well. So it would you know switch from the light theme to the dark theme uh, based on time of day. So it's more than just a redshift. It actually would change your theming, and you could change your wallpaper and stuff, too, which is nice. This
0: was the thing. So I saw this. I didn't experience this because Mm -hmm. I really like to do my own wallpapers, but Mm -hmm. their wallpaper, there are versions of their wallpaper that actually changes throughout the day. I know. That was just a nice touch. I didn't know I needed. it. Yeah,
1: I thought it was a nice touch, and that's so yeah. I did notice that, and that felt good too. So okay, I really enjoyed I am that.
0: Totally, I am totally on board with if i if I want a wallpaper, I'll keep it for a while. But I'm totally on board with if they if if I can figure out how to get that wallpaper, I will do like contrast and hue and mm-hmm. saturation changes for different ones so that I can have it happen throughout mm. the day. Elementary, please tell me how to do that. Mm-hmm. I want that. So that the wallpaper I choose will also follow the the time of day change. That would be so awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, so it, oh, oh that one's good. That,
1: that one's felt good. good. Really nice touch. Enjoyed that a lot. Nice so, touches. Yeah, and, and yeah. the
0: wallpapers were good.
1: I mean, I know that's a simple little thing and Not sure. you, you can download those from you know Unsplash or wherever you want to. But All right. it was it was nice. They were nice. Yeah. So one thing that um I noticed it isn't Terrible thing. They made it work. Um, the default partitioning, you know, wants to use LVM for mm-hmm, your, your mm-hmm. disk, which is okay. But I didn't want to do that. So I chose the, the manual partitioning. Well, that spawns uh, Gparted, which oh. yeah, it looks a little weird and it doesn't really fit in with the installer. But it works perfectly fine. So yeah.
0: I was okay well, with Well, if it. you know how to use Gparted. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I so, guess you wouldn't click the manual partition. Probably
1: not. No, you get into that phase, you're 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 probably on your own. The foot cannons are fully loaded at that point. Oh, so,
0: yeah! Break it, Dan. Break it. I completely
1: understand. So I did. I I used the G G parted and was able to use ButterFS and make things. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: I I just I went with defaults because I was like, you know what? I, again, I'm trying to avoid foot guns, so I'm gonna just whatever they chose. And I think it was e- EXT4 on top of LVM, right? So, and it's fine. It's
1: fine. Yeah, but overall, I really had a good time. Yeah, no joke.
0: One of the one of the first things I installed though was uh, Timeshift because uh, I'm not going to lose. Well, all that my makes progress. sense.
1: So then, ButterFS <laughs> would have would have would have worked really well for you.
0: But that was a thing, right? Like where um, to install Timeshift, I had to install Eddie because I didn't want to use oh, a terminal and yeah. then you know go through that whole rigmarole. So yeah again that that Eddie thing bothers me a little bit because you'd have to know that it's called Eddie anyway so here here's here here are my things right yeah, I, go. I did my best in to avoid foot guns, so here are the things that I think I ran into anyway so here this one is the one i think I feel like this is the most egregious one. all the other stuff I can totally overlook, but this particular one was bad when closing the laptop, it would go to suspend. And if you, it seemed to me that if you opened it up within about 30 seconds or so, you would get for about two seconds, Mm. the screen that you left, Mm. not the login screen. Mm. So I could, if, I mean, honestly, once I figured that out, I would close it again, open it back up just to have a video going or whatever. So I could log whatever's on the screen. So Mm. as far as security goes, I didn't feel like that was great. I
1: didn't notice that, but I, I... I trust you. Maybe that's hardware dependent too, because
0: it, it very well could be. I'm I'm on a ThinkPad T450s. I, I don't know, so be, but you close it, open it up pretty quickly. It 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 showed. I, I know that other distributions have had the same yeah. issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I don't know that it's an elementary problem, but it, that scared the crap out of me. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, I don't <laughs> want this happening at all. So yeah, I don't know where to file the bug, but that that's not great. Mm-hmm. um the other thing was uh another thing was the the default use my location so during the installer it asks you how do you want to do it and i'm like i ah, just use my location no big deal whatever because usually my ip address shows up in texas because you know <laughs> i'm in texas and it will use that to figure yeah, out set your time chi- yeah. chicago whatever because that's that's usually the default never happened it hmm. just kept me at utc forever oh really and i had to manually go in and 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 set that. Hmm. It's fine. It's not a big deal. It took like two clicks. It's no big deal.
1: Mine did pick, uh, you know, America, New York uh, time zone. So I. Huh. was So, so I, that I just got real lucky. Well, I just got real lucky. I'm in a pretty popular time zone, so
0: maybe, maybe. Oh yeah, I guess so. Maybe. So the uh, the other real thing this this was really the only other real issue that I had was I re- was so excited because I'm I'm getting into doing email on the desktop now. I don't want to have to go to the web interface mm-hmm. and do all that kind of stuff, hmm. but. I'm using the mail app, which was forked from Geary, and yep. you know all of that sad history. But I really wanted to do it because Geary was one of our app focuses a few episodes yeah, you, ago, and
1: you you re- you really enjoyed it.
0: I, I mean, between Thunderbird and Geary, uh, Thunderbird on Windows, Geary on uh, mm-hmm. Linux. I I love I love doing email this way, but without going into Gmail and cranking all of your settings down and setting up application passwords mm-hmm. and everything else. Geary does not support Mm. or the mail app which is extended by the online accounts app does not support gmail out of the box you go to online accounts and you click on add account and it's like how do you want to add it and the only way that i can choose is imap so i choose imap i put in all the google mail imap this and that and all that kind of stuff and when i click log in i on my phone i'll get an immediate uh, error message that says hey someone is trying to log into your account and we have stopped that yeah so by default
1: they're, they're not the only one that runs into this either so
0: you're absolutely right if i install Geary on any platform via flat pack it it behaves the same way so yeah. this is not really an elementary specific problem but nope. the problem is solved elementary has chosen to not go that way with it gnome has solved it Using the GNOME online accounts, I can add my account and it works. I can do that in Linux Mint as well. Add my accounts to the online accounts Mm. and install Geary via Flatpak and Geary works. But for some reason, the online accounts in Elementary OS does not let me do this. So I cannot use Geary. I'm so excited to use it. I wanted Mm. to use it so bad. So, mm, not great. Well, let's hope that comes too. Yeah. And again, not an Elementary OS problem. But the electron chromium thing, where everything gets like oh. an added shade of red, so like blues become purple.
1: You fought um, that one a while back,
0: and I figured out the answer, which was to disable the automatic generated color profile in um, pretty much everything. You know, there's not a desktop environment that I noticed that didn't do this. They all generated this profile off of the ThinkPad something or other. But I just go in and turn it off. Except Elementary doesn't give me the GNOME uh, color profile software to turn it off and it's not in FlatHub, it's not in the app center and i didn't see without going into the terminal and installing it manually myself did not see another way to go do that so i just i just stuck it out Eesh. dealt with it it seems like it's a mesa problem i guess yeah, it probably is yeah because it happens on an on, on my amd system as well yep. so all right well i don't want to end on negative notes. So let me talk this distro up the look and feel of elementary OS unparalleled there. There's not another single distribution that I see out there right now that spends as much time making sure that things look and feel nice as elementary OS does. Yeah, you- This was the entire reason I was waiting and mm-hmm. waiting and waited and I waited some more and I waited some more and I waited some more and then Odin finally came out and I was so excited to try it and I waited until we did it on the show to actually put some time into this. And it was worth the wait because just the cohesion all the way across everything that you do, um, besides flat packs, mm-hmm. um, is fantastic, but that's being worked on.
1: Yeah, you can tell there's a ton of attention to detail here. Yeah. You know, maybe that's one of the subconscious reasons I really did enjoy it is that it it did work well across the whole thing.
0: It's not something that you can individually put your finger on, but it feels good. The Mm -hmm. font choice, the theme, the accents, the placement, the, the spacing that they put in... Uh, in the little app indicator icons and things mm-hmm. like that. You don't realize that it's that it's nice to have a little extra padding between those things, especially when you go up to click them. But when you do, it's just extra nice. The other thing is oh. UI scaling. Yeah. I'm on 1080p on a 14-inch screen. That's kind of small. mm mm-hmm. So things get real small. Mm -hmm. And I was very disappointed the very moment that I walked in and I noticed that there wasn't a UI scaling option. In Gnome, it's very CPU intensive. It's very graphically intensive. It uses a lot of CPU power and I really hate turning it on. But I wanna turn it on because I wanna be able to see stuff. But it didn't matter in elementary. They figured out a way to do UI scaling without scaling the UI. (laughs) They just fix the text and... Everything is crisp and sharp, unlike some of the GNOME versions of this. Yeah. And that was it, you just crank it up. And for me, it was crank it up to 125 mm-hmm. and everything magically scaled. Discord was readable, Telegram was readable, the desktop was readable, Firefox, was read- everything was readable. It didn't matter how I installed it. Mm-hmm. it didn't matter how it interacted with the system, it was fantastic. That's nice.
1: I'll say some of those paid operating systems out there. uh, They don't even do it that good. Well, even if you did dial it up to, you know, zoom it in or whatever, it looks like garbage.
0: Yeah. Look, Mac does it pretty well. Mac's not bad. Windows, not so great. I I feel like Mac does it pretty well. Windows, man, it's hit or miss. It Mm -hmm. is so hit or miss. There's no telling what's going on. I feel like elementary is between the two. But it's way closer to Mac than it is to Windows. Yeah, things are just the way you expect them in the size you expect them. Yeah. So, man, kudos to that. Not a, another single other distro besides Plasma-based distros after five point yep. twenty-three can do it anywhere near as well as mm-hmm. Elementary does. So, kudos to that. That is fantastic. The last yes. thing I gotta I gotta I gotta brag on is their gestures. I thought it was a GNOME forty only thing, but no. They're they're baked in. You just flick this way, flick that way. It's, oh, oh, it's just fantastic. So, very good. I had to resort to hot corners. Well, okay,
1: because my hardware wouldn't do it, right? And, yeah,
0: because and I had it on a desktop too, and there's just yeah. no way to flick you on know. a desktop. <laughs> You've Got to set up hot corners. So, the hot corners work really well. Yeah, right. Great. Put it in a corner that you don't use very much, and so it's so you know when you when you do it, it's with intent. So, oh yeah, it, yeah. it's it's fantastic at that point, man. I I agree. Um, very good. So, moment of truth, Dan, what are you doing with this? I'm not going to keep it, but uh, I, did I did enjoy okay. it.
1: I did enjoy it. Like I know that probably surprises a lot of people. It surprises me. Um, I didn't know they do have some roots that that kind of date back to LXDE days and, right. and early GTK stuff there, so you know, I guess the simple nature of things, um, you know, cuz like the menu and the and and the you know the tray and all of that stuff. It's simple, but still elegant. So I I mm-hmm. did enjoy that.
0: Yeah, very good. You know, I, I think I just really appreciate distros that get out of my way because that's what I do with cinnamon. Is I I just make it as yep, small same. and out of my way as possible, and then I just I do the things that I mean to do on a computer, and I don't really care about cinnamon. I mean, yeah. I like cinnamon because I don't notice cinnamon and elementary and pantheon. Really gave me that kind of same vibe.
1: Yeah, it's the same for me in L X Q. Right? It's it's really out of my way. It's it's basic, and Mm -hmm. I don't need to do a lot. But when I do, um, it's there for me. Yeah. And so the difference there, I think the the game changer is the dock. Um, in Elementary, I don't have that in L X Q, but I think that's it. It worked. It could work. It worked like my panel does in some regards. So. It, it it was it took a little bit to get used to, but it wasn't it wasn't like I couldn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So you're getting rid of it overall. Yep. Oh man, it's so hard. I'm on the fence. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. just just the the ability to enjoy looking at the screen for a bit is just it's unparalleled, I think, in uh in any other distro. But um I think the flexibility of Arch, which I did say I was going to mm. keep, and I did keep, um, and my mainstay of Linux Mint Cinnamon, I think it's going to go away, but it might. Uh, I, I, well, to be on, here's here's the deal. I think what's going to happen is I'm probably going to bring it back. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, unfortunately for now, not keeping it, but it's going to yeah they they live rent free in my head forever. Just because they do such a good job. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Time to fluff your pillow.
1: All right. We have a couple of emails this time. Um, The first one is uh, from Brian in, uh, in Scotland. So Brian writes, Hey, guys, this is just a note to let you know that I'm a fan of your friendly and interesting show. There's always something of interest contained within each episode. Please continue to produce this. Thank you. Well, thank oh, you. Oh, we will. Well, thank you Brian for your your note. <laughs> and uh we really do want to keep producing this. We're, we're having a lot yep. of fun with it, so and we're glad yep. you're, you're along for the ride.
0: Slogging through the history for you.
1: Yep. <laughs> it's it's been a lot of fun, so. The next one is hey, that Matthias again.
0: Again? <laughs> again that guy. Okay, you know what? You know what? Give us a fourth one because uh I'm just starting to enjoy these. Yeah. So
1: thanks for writing in. He says, uh, great to hear you guys discussing my issues with Caddy. Uh, great to have native English, uh, peeps read my blog. I, I need to clarify a few things first. Yes. I used a custom image due to the, that the Cloudflare plugin was precompiled. Um, not sure how to say his name. Hoshio?
0: That's how I said it the last episode, I think. I'm just going to okay. keep going with that. Hoshio sounds good. Hoshio <laughs> helped me
1: in, in, in the discussion with the caddy dude. So, okay, cool. It's uh,
0: probably going to come down to it's hot IO, okay?
1: Maybe, yeah, you're right. I, I don't no know. I idea. tried to blurt it together, but whatever. It's fine. Uh, I did try to use caddy's image, but uh, to add the Cloudflare plugin that required me to compile the plugin, I had to build my own Docker image, and... uh This, the catty dude called good UX. Mm -hmm. So I don't, like, I get it, right? I don't blame you at all. Um, The documentation around this was lacking uh, to be nice. So Linux server IO, good choice. I mean, it works. So keep, keep going. What is great about these images? They do remove the built-in databases and such. Thus, I can have Postgres uh, for all my images if I want to. And they streamline the environment variables. That makes total sense, and I know that's one of the things we talked about last time, Leo. You you were, mm-hmm. you know, why why would you use a different image from somewhere else? Well, this is one of the reasons you can sub yeah. in your, your your database of choice, or you know
0: that sort of thing. So use one database container image to host all of the databases yep. for all of your containers. Which I don't know. Uh, I don't actually know. Is that is that?
1: Eh, it's probably fine. They're still containerized. True. Very true. Okay. Yeah. I, I I think it's cool. No like like that's what they exist for. So you can sub those things in and make it work the way you want. Exactly. Says all the images look and function the same and I haven't uh and I haven't even mentioned their most awesome Discord channel. So that's good too, right? So you're getting some support and uh that makes a lot of sense to me. He says I need to get back to configuring PF Sense.
0: So- Man, I have a soft spot in my heart for PF Sense. I ran PF, I ran a PF Sense router for a couple of years, and then it got struck by lightning, and oh. I had to make a decision. And I went to Edge Router instead. Mm-hmm. But um, man, man, you know the reason I did that was because uh, I can get an Edge Router X for like fifty bucks. Yeah, and that's cheaper than most of the other things on the market, like even consumer stuff on the yeah. market. And it's a real actual router get this, based on Debian. So if you need that's to do true, anything yes. fancy with it, you really can actually just SSH into the thing and get it done. That's they have true. their own uh, kind of like uh, configuration language, kind of like Cisco or uh, yep. HP, if you're kind of uh, familiar with any of that stuff. Yep. But uh, but I mean, the the other stuff that's not specific router related, it's all Debian. So I felt really at home and I felt really good about going with that. But let me tell you something. PFSense is one of the most stable router solutions that you can get that's in the free and open source community. And man, if you're looking to build a home lab or something crazy like that, oh, go PFSense. Go do it. Learn some stuff. It's so fantastic.
1: Absolutely. So I've I've got PFSense here, but like PFSense, OpenSense, they're really similar. And both of them are really good for your home home router.
0: There was a WireGuard thing. Between yeah. PFSense and OpenSense. You got about six seconds to talk about that? Did, yeah. did you Do you go WireGuard with that?
1: I don't have WireGuard going through my my router, no. Um, oh, okay,
0: okay. I remember there was a big schism there, and people really didn't like that about PFSense and how yeah, they, they added it, but then they took it out because FreeBSD added it and took it out and did well they, some weird jazz with it. They put theirs yeah.
1: in user land instead of kernel land. I don't know. Yeah, there was some... There was some kerfuffle. I will have to go research
0: that. But here's what we're gonna do: one of the distros that we're gonna choose one of these times is gonna be pfSense. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'd be game. Okay, if we have enough, if we have enough network heads to uh, to write in and say, "Yeah, I'll actually, go do pfSense." I'll totally do it. I'll rip down my network. I'll do it again. I don't care.
1: I'll, I'll do pfSense. It's not right much of a desktop on that, but yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no. So I do. I have a pfSense box here, and. Um, for a lot of reasons it, it it works you know really well so very solid props man i love pfsense it's good the linux and open source community has some fantastic resources and we want to make sure to highlight that in our showcase for this episode we want to draw your attention to the ubuntu unity remix or the ubuntu web remix telegram discussion group i'll have a link in the show notes they are looking to grow their community and asked us for a plug and uh we were happy to oblige because they're very, uh, very good community discussion and engagement over there.
0: I, I didn't know they existed. Uh, they ended up pinging us on on Twitter. Twitter, and yeah. yeah, happy to oblige. At the very least, these these seem like a really good bunch of folks. So Solid-ish. go check it's it great. out. It's a hundred percent just a good place to be.
1: Feel free to send your emails to contact at linuxuserspace.show and we can discuss them like we did Matthias and Brian. We love our patrons. We have a couple of new pledges. One from Zima, and another one from Linux666. Uh, thanks to everyone for your contributions.
0: Yes. Tr- yeah. e- even the ones we didn't name. Even the ones even the, we didn't name. That's, we'll that's, that's, you, we'll you know list you it down in listening. the credits. Yeah. If you saw at the beginning of the video, I'm sorry, podcast guys, but, or at the end of the video, your name's there. Thank or you.
1: in the show notes. We make sure to get you in there
0: also. Okay. So, so podcast guys uh, do make sure. Okay. Do me a favor right now. Cause I know you're listening. O- open up your phone, click on the thing, scroll down on the, on the show notes right now and take a look at the names of these folks. These guys are fantastic. You're fantastic for listening, but, um, thank you to, uh, an extra thank you to the patrons.
1: Yeah, we truly appreciate your support. And if you want to join the other patrons, um, you can head on over to patreon.com slash linuxuserspace. We have our matrix group, and you can hop on over there and join the fun at linuxuserspace.show slash matrix. We also have our telegram group, and you can join us there, linuxuserspace.show slash telegram. And if those chat platforms aren't quite enough for you, we have Discord. So you can jump on over to our Discord uh, server, linuxuserspace.show slash discord. You can please follow us on Twitter at Linux Userspace to get all the latest announcements for the show and
0: highlights for things that impact your user space. One one thing I'll tell you that you get at uh, Linux User Space on Twitter mm-hmm. is when I'm not thinking about it, I'll do something in a distro, especially like Elementary, doing the eddy yep. thing. Yep. Um, I tweet about it, and then I'll retweet that on Linux User Space, and sometimes that doesn't filter down to the other channels for discussion. So if you want to see some of that stuff, go check out the the Twitter stuff. If you're in one of the channels and you're upset that I don't cross post the stuff, let me know and I'll make sure to do that.
1: (laughs) Sounds good. You can watch our faces on YouTube, linuxuserspace.show slash YouTube. And new, 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 you can also see our mugs on Odyssey linuxuserspace.show show slash
0: Odyssey. odyssey uh, wait, go see us on Odyssey. See, see the Odyssey. See, see the Odyssey.
1: Yeah. Got it.
0: Odyssey. Yeah. Oh no. Odd is definitely the right word. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly,
1: don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. And like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and Odyssey. Ooh. You can always get more information on our website, LinuxUserspace.show.
0: You got the laser focus, the focus. Let's focus on this app. I'm real excited about this app.
1: Yeah, this real is a good app.
0: excited about this app.
1: Well, we t- uh, we touched on networking a little bit here already.
0: We did, and so that that was more you know uh, networking for a you know whole network. True. But what if you cared about the traffic going in and out of just your device? That's where OpenSnitch comes in. Okay. I thought this project was long dead, Mm -hmm. was abandoned by its author, and never to be heard from again because nobody picked it up. Well, that's not the case. Open Snitch is alive and well. What is it? It's an application-based firewall. I was talking a couple of months ago about how cool would it be if Linux had an application-based firewall like Windows, where you could decide, oh yeah, I want you know 98 of these other apps to work, but these two apps over here, I don't need them touching the internet. We were talking about this during the Audacity episode. Audacity, yeah. Where we were talking about how Audacity will claw out to the internet and start sending information. You know what? You want to use the latest version of Audacity, but you don't want it to be able to hit the the network and you don't want to scour through all the preferences to make sure that that doesn't actually happen, well OpenSnitch is here to help you out. That's the deal. OpenSnitch will literally tell you every single application that reaches out to the internet. Every one of them.
1: So I first heard about this application as a Mac OS uh, application. It was called LittleSnitch. LittleSnitch, right. And that was a while ago and so I didn't know that it was like still a continuation or uh, you know a different application that that did the same thing in Linux. When you first told me about it, I got really excited.
0: Oh, it's so good! It okay. Oh, uh, look, I'm gonna be straight with you right now. If you go over to Gustavo Iniguez Goyas GitHub, okay. okay just you know what you know what you're gonna do. You're gonna just click search, on the link in the show open notes. Snitch. Oh, well, click on the link in the show notes. But if you're listening to this and you just don't have your phone anywhere near you or something like that, just Google OpenSnitch, and you'll know where you are. It's it's under, let me take it, it's under Evil Socket Open Snitch. So go find that's version 1.4.0 right now. What you want to do is just download the deb of the demon and download the deb of the GUI, install them side by side, and you open it up. And it's going to be annoying as heck for just a minute, while you accept this and accept that and accept this and accept that and accept this and accept that, and it is about that annoying. You do have to go in, especially if you have a lot of uh, applications that are network-based, right? I mean, every browser, you, you do have to accept it. But here's the thing. Once you get it to the point where all of the applications that you use on a daily basis, they'll never ask you again. All the applications that you use on a daily basis, any new network connection that comes through You'll know about it. Mm-hmm. You'll know that it's trying to connect to the internet and you'll know whether or not you want it to. And if you don't want it to just deny it. Right. And it will no longer be able to connect to the internet. And this includes any application that you download, uh, any kind of new thing that comes up, OpenSnitch will tell you about it. I mean, that, that's the whole yeah. point. That's why they named it that it will snitch on those apps and tell you whether or not they're accessing the network.
1: Yeah. So that default deny sort of mentality is really good for, you know, security. So I know it's not convenient, but you know what? Convenience and security, they're on two different ends of the spectrum. We've talked about this. And so they're mutually exclusive. Um, So sometimes you got to, you got to, you got to go through the, you know, the secure side of things to, to make sure, you know, things are going the way you want.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, and and it, you you hear it all the time, right? I mean, uh, when you go out and you say, "Hey, do I need to go get a firewall or whatever for mm-hmm. Linux?" and everybody's like, "No, There's stuff because, built
1: in." But yeah. right,
0: the built-in is whatever. But you know, and I, and I think what they're really referring to is just the the general Linux default deny incoming.
1: Yeah, incoming. Yeah, right. So if you turn right. on like UFW or FirewallD or one of those, it's going to block everything from coming in. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't really do much unless you tell it to for stuff that's going out.
0: Exactly. And, man, that can be tedious. If you think clicking accept about (laughs) 17 times for the apps that you use on a daily basis is annoying, try setting that up in UFW try setting Ooh. that up in firewall d or any of the other options that you god forbid you have to try uh, uh ip tables or something like Ooh that boy. But that that's the deal right Th- this is a mostly automated outbound firewall that if you care about things that connect to the internet from your laptop or desktop or whatever you're using on a daily basis this is the app for you
1: i agree yeah so those other tools they're great for your server based Things not for your
0: desktop, though. Right, right. The, uh, okay. And I hate to make the, the I, I hate to make the comparison, but if you're on Windows and you install a new no. application, and then it's a network-based application, and then the Windows firewall is like, "Hey, do you want this thing to connect yeah, up to th- the internet?" And you click yes. That's what OpenSnitch does. Right. So do make sure that if you if you have privacy in mind, if you care about what's connecting to the internet, if you were up in a tizzy. About audacity. Yep. Go get OpenSnitch. It will solve these problems for you. All right, Dan. You gonna put it? You gonna put it on your computer? Yep. It's already
1: there. Yeah. Like this is a. (laughs) Seems like a go-to thing for my laptop, which Mm -hmm. is where you really need it
0: right and and because we were talking about mac and because we were talking about little snitch i was like well where better to put it than elementary os to kind of you know fit in with all of that and well it it's a python gui so it doesn't quite integrate yeah, exactly. in yep. but it gave me that same type of functionality yeah. and i really appreciated that same
1: Time to unveil the uh, the next great distro that uh, we're going to be trying out, Leo. I mean, we did elementary here for a month. And so mm-hmm. the next one, we thought we'd, uh, you know, switch it around a little bit. Like, we did an Arch-based one a couple of months ago. And, uh, you know, obviously, elementary is Ubuntu-based. Um, So we're going switch to it, switch it around again. All right. So we're trying free BSD. Yep. Not Gen 2 either. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, so um we're actually going to go back to an Arch-based distro this time. Mm, it's okay. Fairly, All right. A fairly new one. Fairly new in the, in the ecosystem. So Okay. Arch-based river. We're going to do Garuda.
0: Ooh, I've been needing to get back into some gaming and I think that's one of the highlights of Garuda. Is they give you I think it's the Zen kernel, okay, mm. you know what i'll I'll have those answers in two episodes because I will have researched it, but right now I just I saw the website for like thirty seconds and something something Zen kernel maybe that's the one I'm talking about, but yeah there are there are specific um tweaks in Garuda for gaming, a chosen nice. kernel for gaming and all that kind of good stuff, so um I'm excited to get into that um ooh, ooh. Ooh. And another Archbase. Uh you know, just AOR ah. this and that and why not and just install all kinds of weird stuff. Wow, lot west. Go for it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh feel free to join us and uh you know, come on into the telegram or matrix or discord and one of those and let us know know how it's going for you and uh we'll have a discussion.
0: Show us that blinding Garuda theme. Yeah. It's a little bright.
1: Yeah, it's a little bright, but that's okay. <laughs> we'll get through. And since uh, we've been trying out Elementary for this past month, that means our next show will be topic-based. And uh, I know we've got some dandies. Um, We haven't discussed them yet, but I've got some things that I want Leo to talk about. So,
0: Oh, my goodness. Here, look. Here's a preview. There'll probably be some Firefox involved. There will be a Mozilla watch. Watch out. Thank you, everybody, especially the new patrons Mm -hmm. and the old patrons and you, fair user, who is uh, listening to the Linux user space right now. Thank you for listening and for all your support. Even listening is support. So thank you. Where can we find you, Dan?
1: You can find me at KC2BZ
0: on Twitter. And you can find me at... Leo Chavez on Twitter. Join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space.
1: All get right. All right. that. Got those two things running. Oh, we need Craigie Baby.
0: Oh, Craigie Baby, where is my Craigie Baby? Don't leave me, Craigie Baby. I gotta find the channel for Craigie Here we go. I got it. Oh! Now recording. They both got in here. Nice. Craig. Craig, what are you doing? I'm supposed to ask you twice. I appreciate you, man. Yeah
1: we've been asking nice a couple of times for the last Mm -hmm. few shows so there we go
2: yeah